Amen. Well, today we're going to be uh, wrapping up our Therefore Go series. Yeah, you can bring that up. We're going to be going through our uh, Therefore Go series the previous week, last Friday, if you missed it. We were talking about how we're called to go and reach and preach to our family members. We're called to reach out to our family members who don't know Jesus. They're without God. They're broken at home, right? There's brokenness in your home. There's things happening with your family. But guess what? God placed you there to make a difference and to shine the light of Jesus Christ to them. So your, your duty isn't just to kind of go around your, your, your you know, broke, broke, busted, and disgusted family. No, you actually are called to be the light of Jesus Christ to them. Don't ignore them. Don't pretend like you didn't see X, Y, and Z happen with your mom or your dad or your siblings. No, you need to confront those things with the love of Jesus and be the light of God to them. And then the previous week before that, Joby brought a powerful message about evangelism and how we're all called to fulfill the Great Commission. We're called to make disciples that make disciples. And I'm telling you guys, I'm really excited for this uh, upcoming semester. We're going to have, you know, a lot of us are going to be going back to school. And I believe we're going to see God do a lot of amazing things through each and every one of you. But again, we have to obey the Great Commission and preach the gospel to everybody we see. We can't be afraid. We can't let fear hold us back. We need to open our mouths and boldly declare who Jesus is to us. And that's what I'm going to be kind of talking about today. The, the title is, Therefore Go, and then To Your Friends. So we're going to be talking about how we, are to, how we are called to now reach our friends and those around us, say at school or even just around our neighborhood, we're called to reach them for Jesus. Uh, before I open up to our uh, verse here, let's all just take a moment to have a, a moment of prayer. If we could all bow our heads and close our eyes in this place. Father God, I just thank you for what you're doing, Lord. I thank you that your presence is here, God, and I thank you that Lord, you're, you're setting us on fire, God, even now as we speak, Lord God. You're giving us new levels of boldness, Lord, new levels of trust, God, new levels of faith, God, to see you do amazing things, God. Lord, we want to see your spirit move, Lord. We want to see a revival. We want to see families change. We want to see our friends change. We want to see our schools change, God. We want to see violence go down, Lord. We want to see people stop shooting each other, God. We want to see people stop being depressed, God, and on medication, Lord, God, and all these different things that are wrecking our society, God. We want to see you lifted up, Lord, because you are the answer. Holy Spirit, use each and every one of us here, God, to preach your word. In your name I pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. All right, so if we can all turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, if you can get that slide up there. 1 Peter chapter 2. This is going to be the opening passage here for tonight. I'm going to go ahead and read it out. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. Foreigners and exiles. Another translation puts it as strangers or aliens. Okay? Foreigners, exiles, strangers, aliens, outsiders. I urge you to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans. Pagans basically just means those who do not have Jesus Christ, those who don't believe in God. Live such good among unbelievers that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. So here... Peter is talking to the, the people he's addressing, obviously, and he's encouraging them. He's saying that 
verse 12, it's kind of similar to another verse we read uh, last week. It was saying that we need to shine the light of Jesus Christ so that people may see our good works and they would give glory to God in heaven. And so here, Peter's kind of saying the same thing in verse 12. He's saying that we need to live in such a way that people see our good works, they see our good deeds, and because of that, they give glory to God in heaven. And I think it's very interesting that Peter mentions this here in this sentence here. It says that they may what? See. Everybody say see. See. Not the Spanish word for yes. See. Peter is saying that the pagans, the unbelievers, people who do not have Jesus Christ, they're watching you. They have their eyes on you. They're looking at how you talk. They're looking at how you walk. They're looking at what jokes you make. They're looking at how you talk to others. They look at how you exclude certain people or include certain people, right? People who don't believe in Jesus. This is in your school. This is even in your family. Wherever you go, people who don't have Christ, they're going to be watching you. They're going to have their eye on you. And that's why Peter is saying we need to be careful how we live. We need to make sure that we're living in such a way that if somebody who doesn't have Jesus looks at our life, they're able to see the good works that we have. They're able to see Jesus' heart reflected in us, and they're able to give God glory. People are watching you. People are watching your actions. And so what are they seeing when you are hanging out with your friends? What do they see when you're going through the hallways? People that are passing by you, what kind of jokes do they hear you making? What kind of music do they hear you listening to, right? Because people are paying attention to that, and they're listening, they're watching, they're seeing, what is this person who claims to know Jesus Christ, what are they really doing, and what are they really all about? It says that they're watching, they may see your good deeds, and again, it depending on what they see... If they're either going to give God glory and say, wow, Jesus is real, God is real, let me visit your church, I want to see what this is all about, or they're going to see that you're a fake, that you're a hypocrite, and you don't really live out this stuff that you talk about, about church and everything. Your life can either bring glory to God by how you live, by how you love people, by how you encourage one another in your school. You could either be known for somebody who's encouraging to be around or somebody who's known to start fights, to start drama, to start gossip. You could be known for somebody who jumps from relationship to relationship, somebody who's known for talking back to the teacher, right? What do people see when they look at your life? Do, do, they, do they see you and do they say, wow, this person, this person is, is a real Christian, You know what? God must be real because of how they're living their life, because they're so different, because the way they handle themselves is different from everybody else. It says here again, though, in verse 11, Peter is encouraging the believers there. He's saying this is how it happens. We need to abstain and resist the temptation and the sinful desires because that's what makes us look like them. That's what makes us look no different than people who don't have Jesus Christ. If we're sinning like the world, if we're doing things exactly like people who don't have Jesus, if we're living like that, they're going to look at us and they're not going to see any difference. They're not going to give God glory. So Peter is saying, hey, in order to live in a way that glorifies me, you have to abstain from sinful desires. You have to resist temptation. You can't be gossiping like everybody else is gossiping. You can't be judging other people in, in the way that others judge. And when I, when I say judge, I don't mean like 
call out somebody's sin and you know, be like, hey, this isn't right, you need to repent or something. But I'm talking about like looking down on somebody because they have not a knockoff brand on, right? Or they're not wearing the, the latest Nikes, or they're not wearing the latest you know, fashion trend clothes or whatever, right? A lot of times I've seen people look down on those who don't have as much money and their, their shoes are falling apart or their clothes are you know, not, the, not, not the nicest. And, and, and you know, it's okay to buy new clothes, but I'm saying I've seen so many people judge others based off of what they wear, based off of how they look, how their hair is done, right, all that different stuff. But that doesn't represent Christ. That's not Jesus. And when people see that, they're not going to give God glory. They're going to instead associate you now with everybody else. But again, we have to abstain from that. We have to resist that. We can't do what everybody else is doing. It says, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. And so the devil in the spirit is waging war against each and every one of you, trying to get you to act like everybody else, trying to get you to fall into temptation, trying to get you to make the same jokes that everybody else is making. That's the war that's going on. As you guys are about to go back into high school, as you guys are about to start this next semester, there is a spiritual war going on. And the devil's trying to entice you and draw you away and tempt you with these different desires, these different things that may come up in your school. But you got to push those things away. You have to abstain from them and instead live a life that glorifies God so that when people that are watching you they see that you actually mean it, and you're living it out, and you're not living like everybody else. Now, again, I mentioned at the beginning here, Peter uses these different adjectives to describe a Christian, somebody who believes in Jesus. He says, I urge you as what? Foreigners, Foreigners and, and exiles. Foreigners and exiles. A foreigner is somebody who, who, who came from somewhere else. They, 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 they weren't born there, right? If I was born in Europe, if I was born in Spain or something, and I came to America, I'm kind of a foreigner to America because I was born somewhere else. Another translation says stranger or alien, right? Somebody who's coming from the outside. Somebody who does not look or act like everybody else within that given area. And so here, just to kind of give you guys an example of that, Oscar, if you can put up uh, one of the slides of the aliens that I picked. First one. Do we all know this alien? What's... What? That's E.T., right? Here's what I want us to kind of gather from this picture. Don't be afraid. That finger's pretty scary, though. But anyway, we look at this, we look at this creature, right? And we don't, you know, we, we, we see that there's a difference there. We see that this creature doesn't look familiar. It doesn't look like the other creatures on planet Earth. It looks kind of foreign. It looks kind of like an outsider. It looks like it doesn't belong uh, in, this, in, this, in this realm, in this planet, we're able to associate that this is probably some kind of outside creature that doesn't belong on earth. It's an alien, right? It's different. Does this look like any human being? No, it does not. No, it does not. <laughs> this doesn't look like a human being. It's forehead, it's eyebrows, it's nose, right? All these different characteristics, it doesn't match that of a normal human being. Let's try another alien. Oscar, next slide. How many of you guys know this alien? Stitch, right? Now, as far as I know, and as, far, as long as I've been alive, I've never seen a creature with four arms, like little antennas, right? 
again, we as, even as children, we see a creature like that, we're able to associate, hey, this creature does not live on planet Earth. This is some kind of alien figure that's from the outside, that doesn't belong. It doesn't look like everything else in this world. There's, there's Stitch there, right? Again, forearms, big eyes, antennas, doesn't look like everything else on planet Earth. One more alien for you guys here. How many of you guys remember this movie? Come on, man. I, I don't know about you guys, but this was on repeat on, like, Netflix, like, so many times in this church. It was crazy. I'm tired of it. But point is, it's an alien, right? It, it doesn't look like, it doesn't look like a cat. It doesn't look like a dog. It doesn't look like a human being. Okay, it has eyes, but where's the nose? And it has all these legs. Like, it's a combination of a squid or an octopus. I don't know. But we're able to see this creature... And are able to be like, this, is, this isn't anything that belongs on earth. It's, it's an outsider. It's a foreigner. It's an alien. It, it's strange. It's a stranger to our planet. It doesn't match with everything else that I see. Now, again, if we can go back to that verse, 1 Peter. That's exactly the point that Peter is making to these Christians, to these believers. That us as disciples of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to look so different. In our character, in how we talk to other people, when we're hanging out with our friends, they should look at us and say, you don't even belong here. You don't even act like us. Like, we're over here talking about sex and drugs and pornography. Like, you ain't even talking. Like, what are you doing hanging out with us? You don't belong in this circle, right? Oh, well, you know, we're talking about this girl and how she's so bogus and her hair's all messed up, but you're not saying anything and you kind of are, like, telling us we shouldn't talk that way? You're, you're kind of, what, what do you mean we shouldn't talk? That's what we're doing. Like, you're, you're different. This is what everybody at this high school does, right? And so as Christians, we're not supposed to look. When people see us, when our friends see us, they should not be able to say, yeah, that person can belong in my circle. That person looks like my other friend or looks like my group of buddies here. I'm going to explain that further on. Don't worry. I'm going to make it more clear. But again, when people who do not have Jesus Christ see us, they, we, we look like aliens to them. We look like foreigners, outsiders to them, to their eyes. Why is that? Because when everybody's hating on this one kid because he's slow or something, guess what? The Christian is coming over, is supposed to come over and like bring encouragement. Tell everybody to stop picking on him, right? That's what, it, and it's like, wait a minute, no, we're all picking on him. This is a group effort, like, why are you acting outside of what we're doing here? Again, because it, we as Christians, we think differently. We look differently. We act differently. Different times, I've been to Wright College. I've been to UIC. One time, I was in this cafeteria. It wasn't a cafeteria. It was McDonald's. It was across the street from Wright College. And there was this group of, like, college students. They were, like, freshmen or something. And they just kept cursing. I don't know what the heck they were talking about, but they just kept cursing. F this, F that. And, like, there was a mom with her kid next to them, like, on the other side of the table. I'm like, these people have no respect. What's wrong with them? Well, in their mind, that's okay. In their mind, that's normal. In their mind, there's nothing wrong with that. But here I am as a Christian, I'm on the outside of that. I don't think like they do. And I say, hey, that's wrong. That's sinful to be talking about women like that. 
That's sinful to be gossiping about that one guy like that. I, that's crazy. Why are they doing that, right? As a Christian, I'm outside of that type of thinking. And therefore, I act differently and I look differently. And if they were to look at my life, they'd be like, hey, something's different about Lawrence. And I'm sure many of you have had the same testimony, either probably getting called names for being a Christian, for believing in Jesus, for taking a Bible to school. Oh, you're, you're a preacher. You're a pastor. Oh, here's pastor, whatever. You know, it's funny. I had this one friend at Wright College. Um, just by, you know, we, we, we talked about God, you know, in, in different conversations that we had. And I never told him to call me this, but he eventually started calling me like, uh, like you know, oh, the Pastor Lawrence, Preacher Lawrence, whatever. Oh, here comes Preacher Lawrence. And it's like, you know, I'm like, well, what? why is he telling me, why is he calling me this name? Well, it's because I was different and I acted different than him. You know, when he was talking about all this other stuff, here I was in a separate world almost, all right? I was on the outside. I wasn't like him in that sense. So as Christians, we should not be looking like everybody else in our school. We're called to be different. We're called to be on the outside. Again, uh, put back the, the, put back stitch. When, it, when, a sin, when a sinner, when people at school, let me put it this way. When you go back to school this semester, people should be looking at you like this. What is wrong with this guy? What is wrong with this girl? She's always smiling. She's always happy. He don't. No, I'm giving, I'm giving examples. Um, he doesn't talk back to the teacher. He doesn't cheat on his tests or quizzes. He's respectful to his parents. She's honest. She's a person of integrity. She doesn't talk about everybody else's business, right? They should see us and be like, this person's different. They're not like everybody else. And you see a creature like this, it's going to get your attention, and you're going to be like, what's, what's, what's up with this creature? Why do they look different? What's going on here? I don't know, if you saw a stitch crawling out, you know, outside, you might try and, you know, take it home or something, feed it like food, but then you find out it vomits all the food. Like, who knows? But you see something that's different, and it catches your attention. Because, again, we're watching, and the world is watching, and the world is looking at each and every one of your lives. So when you go back to school, what are they going to see? What are they going to see? If we can go to the next verse, uh, 2 Corinthians, Oscar, chapter 6. The Bible makes it very clear when it comes to us associating with people from the world who do not have Jesus, there's a very clear distinction, very, very clear distinction here in 2 Corinthians 6, verses 8, 14 through 18, it says this, it says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. That term yoke, it just means joined together, put together. You shouldn't be put together with unbelievers, people who don't have Jesus Christ. You shouldn't be partners with them. You shouldn't be joined together with them. For what, is, for, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? If I am a sinner and I love to sin and I hate God and I want to do my own thing, there's no, we don't have any common ground. I'm sorry. I have a different identity. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I don't think like you. We have nothing in common. If people do not have Jesus Christ, you don't have anything in common with them. You shouldn't have anything in common with them because, again, it says here, what does righteousness and wickedness have in common with each other? You know, it grieves me when I see so many different people. They go back to school, and they just get so close with all the wrong people. 
I'm like, how does that even happen? Like, you were here, you were worshiping, you saw all the examples of what a godly woman or man is supposed to be, and yet when you go back to your school, you start hanging around with the, the wrong crowd. Again, that could, mean any, that could mean you go out to the chess club, and everybody in the chess club is so concerned about chess, they don't care about church, they don't care about God, they think he's a myth. And yet, you know, they're, they're maybe they have some scholarship to some fancy college. But still, if I'm a believer and I hear them talking about life, I'm going to be like, hold up. No, I like chess, but I'm not going to sacrifice this for church. Sorry, guys, I got I to gotta go to church now. I can't pursue just all these different extracurricular activities just to kind of, you know, uh, grab some kind of, you know, success or prosperity or, or name for myself. No, I love Jesus, I love God, and I'm going to pursue the Lord. And see, when you live like that, it puts you at odds with people. Because when people want to go sin and they want to live however they want to live, hold on, now there's Christian, you know, so-and-so. We're going to have to leave them out of this. They're not like, they're not like us, so we're, you know, we're just going to isolate them, leave them over here. Let's ditch them and go over here to this, this other place, to this party or something, right? That's to be expected. You should expect that. You should be okay with that. If people are making fun of you and rejecting you because you're different and you're that religious church kid, don't be mad about that. Don't be offended. That's what's supposed to happen because you're not supposed to have anything in common with them in the first place. I've seen so many people, they come to church and, you know, again, it looks like they're loving Jesus, but they have these friends that keep getting in the way of their relationship with God, and their whole excuse is, well, we've been friends for the longest, you know, we, we love each other, man, we were there since we grew up. Well, guess what? The Bible says if you don't hate your own, your own mother and father and your own brother and sister, you can't be my disciple. Sometimes you got to let go of friends. Sometimes you have to get up and walk away from that table that you always hang out with. Sometimes you got to get up and walk away down the hallway opposite from those people that start gossiping. You shouldn't be associating yourself with that because as a Christian, there's nothing in common there. But these people, you know, they, they make an idol of their friends. They, they say, oh, but, you know, man, they, they understand me and whatever. Well, here's what happens. Well, here's, here's a lot of times what I see what happens. They actually understand their sin. They understand the rebellion. And they surround themselves with other friends that okay their sin. Let me try and explain that just a little bit more. So if I think it's okay to yell at my parents and curse them out, I'm going to surround myself with friends that say, yeah, man, you know what? Your parents shouldn't have told you to do that. They're so strict. They're so this. They're so that. You know what? Just forget them, right? Oh, yeah, I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to go to them because they're my friends and they're my buddies and they got my back. No, that's not what Jesus says. That's not what's in the Bible. You're not acting like an alien. You're not liking, acting like an outsider. You're acting like the people in the world who don't have Jesus. Surround yourself with Christian friends, people who believe in God. If, you're, if you find yourself among Christians who are living in sin and they're hypocrites, get rid of those friends. Find some real believers who are walking out in righteousness, their calling, and who they are in Jesus Christ. Again, it says righteousness and wickedness have nothing in common. Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Again, we learned last week, we're called to be the light to the world. How can, if, if, if you're in your high school and, 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 and you know, your people that you know that don't have Jesus Christ, there's darkness there. People are hurt. People are in pain. The answer is Jesus Christ. So why are you going to try and X Jesus out of the equation now? 
It's like you go to them and you try and act like them and you try and identify with them and who they are, but it's like, no, you're the light. You're supposed to be shining Jesus' light into the darkest places because light and dark don't mix. If you walk into a dark room and you turn on the light, you turn on a, a, a lighter, you light a match, guess what? You're going to see the light, right? So when you walk into your school, you should be shining the light of Jesus Christ to you. And when you go among your friends, the light should be just as strong. You shouldn't turn off the light when you're around certain people. Oh, well, I'm around this popular kid, so I want to act cool now. So, you know, let me, let me shut off the light because I want to get this, this selfie really quick and post it up on Instagram because I'm so popular. It's like, no, leave the light on of Jesus Christ. Witness to that person. Because, again, there's no mixing darkness with light. They don't go together. You shouldn't be, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't match. It doesn't work. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? If I'm not correct, I believe that word Belial, that basically means Satan. Am I right, Bible college students? Yes. That, what, what, uh, what harmony is there between Christ and the devil? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Next slide. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? Again, the Bible is very clear. There's nothing in common. We have nothing in common with people who don't have Jesus Christ. It's very clear in Scripture. If you have a problem with the Bible, that's on you. But this is what the Bible tells me. It says I'm not supposed to be mixing with darkness. I'm supposed to be shining the light of Jesus Christ. I'm supposed to be the one influencing. I'm not supposed to be the one getting influenced. For we are the temple of the living God. As God, as God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God. Next slide. It says, and they will be my people. Therefore... Come out from them and be separate. Everybody say, be separate. Be separate. That's God's heart for you guys. When you go back to your school, when you're among your friends, you're supposed to be separate, different. Again, it doesn't matter if you get rejected. It doesn't matter if you look like a fool, if you look like you're stupid, or you don't act like everybody else. It doesn't matter. You are called to be separate, set apart. The word holy, we're called to be holy people, right? That word holy means to be set apart. In a neighborhood where there's a bunch of violence and there's shooting and people are dying left and right, you're supposed to be set apart from that and be a person of peace, bringing the joy of the Lord, bringing unity. Where there's a bunch of perversion, where there's a bunch of drama, where there's a bunch of relationship and brokenness and all this different stuff happening, you're called to be set apart from that. That's what the Bible is saying here in this verse. Is that clear to everybody? Come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Is, I said, is that clear to everybody? Yes, amen. It says, touch no unclean thing and you will receive, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters. Again, we are Christians. We are believers. This is our identity. This is who we are. We're outside of the world and what the world does. If you can now turn to John I believe it's chapter 15. Thank you. Again, this is how the Bible describes the world's response to us. This is how people who don't have Jesus, this is how they see us. This is how they look at us. Because again, the way they treated Jesus is going to be the way they treat his disciples. Now you would think maybe this Jesus figure, well, you know, he's so loving, he's so kind, everybody must have loved him. Right? 
Everybody must have loved Jesus so much. They just wanted to give him a big hug, put a picture of him on, on their, you know, their refrigerator. They're like, this, this is the Jesus that people worship, right? Well, no, guess what? People crucified Jesus. Anybody want to be crucified in this place? Anybody called to be disciples of Jesus? Guess what? We get the same rep that Jesus gets. What does it say? Verse 18 of chapter 15, it says, If the world hates you, keep in mind, Christian, they hated me first. Well, man, you just don't understand. It's so hard, and I can't make any friends, and man, this guy's so cute, and I want to be in a relationship with him, but he, 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 you know, he, I, I know if I just do this Christian thing, he's going to get afraid and scared. It's like, no, if they hated Jesus, they're going to hate you too. Who cares about their, 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 their selfies, their, their followers, that you would want to be partners with them and be cool? And it's like, it doesn't matter. As a Christian, they hated Jesus. They're going to hate you. Why did they hate Jesus? What's, what was it about Jesus that they hated? Verse 19, it says, if, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you, because you're not of it. You're an alien. You're a stranger. You're an outsider. Therefore, the world will hate you. They won't want to hang out with you. They won't want to be your boo. They won't want to be your friend. They won't want to invite you to their birthday party, because they know you're, all you talk about is Jesus. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to be known for that type of person? Are you ready to be like Jesus? Anybody called to be like Jesus in this place? If the world hated Jesus, they're going to hate you too. And again, it says we were chosen out of this world. Of course, if we belong to the world, if we act like everybody else, and we just look like them and we talk like them and, you know, we, 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 you know, we hang out with the, the, the certain group of people in school and everything, yeah, yeah, then they'll love us, then they'll accept us. Oh, yeah, if you just calm down with that Jesus stuff, if you just, you know, don't, don't talk about homosexuality right now. Don't talk about abortion right now. Don't talk about how drinking and partying is wrong. Just, just leave that alone. Just, just let's come on. Let's just, just hang out. It's not the time for that. If they tell you that stuff and you listen, of course they're going to love you. Of course they're going to love you and they're going to accept you. But guess what? They're going to love you but it's going to be at the expense of Jesus Christ. And you're going to eventually be rejected by Jesus because you wanted to associate more with the world than with God. Who do you belong to tonight? Do you belong to the world? Do you belong to what the world says you should be? How you should act? How you should look? What you should talk about? What you should value? As teenagers, what do we value? The latest video game, the latest pair of shoes, the latest clothes, the latest fashion, money, jobs, 2K, all this different stuff. Is that what you value? Because guess what? You're going to try and act like everybody else who has that. But when Jesus is the only thing that means anything to you, it's going to start separating you from everybody else now. And you're going to look different. And I want to encourage you as you go back to school, don't be afraid of looking different. Because if you don't look different, you belong to the world and you look just like them. If we can now go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. There's good news. And this is how it ties into us then going and evangelizing and preaching and reaching our friends. Again, just to recap, we're called to be different. We're called to be set apart. 
We're called to reflect Jesus Christ. We're not supposed to act and do things the way everybody else is doing them. And once you start acting differently and once you start naming the name of Jesus Christ, they're going to start hating you. They're going to start making jokes about you. They won't want to hang out with you. But that's okay because you belong to Jesus and he chose you out of the world. So now you don't look like them anymore. Now you're different. So what does that mean? Do you now just go into a corner and you just kind of distance yourself from everybody? Why? Well, you know what? The world hates me, so I'm just going to go over here. Forget the world. Forget everybody in my school. I'm just going to go crazy. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible, and that's it. Well, it's great. Read your Bible. Pray. That's awesome. But you got to remember, each and every one of us here, we were just like them too. We were just in the darkness and as sinful and as evil as they were the people around us as well. Here in Ephesians, this is what it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of what? The ways of this world. See, when we didn't have Jesus, we lived out the ways of the world, the ways of Disney Channel, the ways of MTV, the ways of some random YouTube vlogger, okay? We used to act in that way when we didn't have Jesus Christ. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Next slide. All of us also lived among them at one time. We all used to be a part of that scene, that group, that clique. We all used to be a part of that worldly system, that worldly way of thinking. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Well, I'm just going to do whatever feels good. I'm just going to do whatever I want. If it feels good, if it's nice, if it doesn't hurt anybody, then it must be fine. See, a lot of it, that's what the world thinks. That's how the world thinks, and that's how the world looks at situations. And we all used to be a part of that. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of what? Somebody wake up in this place. We were deserving of what? Wrath. This is the epidemic. This is, the, the, this, is the, this is what's happening, what the world is under, what your school is under. They are under God's wrath. They're deserving of wrath because of the way they're living out their life, rebelling against God, pushing God away from their life. That's why schools are so depressed. That's why there's so many shootings. That's why there's so many suicides. Because they're under the wrath of God. Because they're choosing to go against love, peace, joy, holiness, self-control, all these different things. But it says here in verse 4, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were, next slide, even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. In these different dark places, we see all these different people wiling out, going crazy. They're acting sinful. They're acting evil and wicked. You see the drama. You see all that different stuff happening. Guess what? Don't look at yourself as if you're somehow better than them because you were once a part of them. But as Christians, we are now called to preach the same gospel that saved us. We need to go to those people that we see are under the worldly system, under the worldly way of thinking, and we need to invite them to come to Christ. We were once blinded. We were once a part of the evil and the sin and the world that was happening. But now as believers, we're called to shine the light of Jesus Christ to them and tell them about the good news. Tell them about the grace that God extended to us. 
Because when Jesus was on this earth, yes, there were evil people, yes, there were sinners, and yes, they did crucify him, but Jesus, out of his love, still chose to die for them, still chose to give his life up for them. So the answer isn't to run away. The answer isn't to distance yourself and just push them all away and just be in some cave somewhere. No, now as Christians, we're called to now reach them, preach to them. Get in the middle of that gossip circle. Don't join them. Start rebuking them. Start telling them, hey, you guys are better than that. Read this verse. Read this scripture. God has a plan for your life. When you see a group of people smoking weed, get in the middle of it. Don't join them. Don't start smoking with them. Then you're going to act like the world. But preach the gospel to them. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about the grace that saved you. As a matter of fact, uh, just yesterday, me and Zion... We're out at uh, Reese Park. We were just chilling, having a good time. And then we see this group of like eight, eight teenagers. We didn't know how old they were at first. But we walked past them. And we see one of them holding this blunt. And they were in front of like a playground, like where kids were at. And I'm just like, what? All these teenagers are really smoking weed right now in front of a playground. Like just no shame. What is wrong with them? I'm walking away. And then I'm like, oh, the Holy Spirit was like, Lawrence, do something about it. So I'm like, okay, Zion, let's go preach today. And so we go over there, and guess what? We find out that all of them, all eight of them are about 14, and then there's one 16-year-old smoking weed. But as Christians, as people who have the light of Jesus Christ, you know what I told them? God can save you from your sin, and you don't have to be this way. Most of the group dwindled down, went away, two stayed and received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And it happened because we chose, we made a choice to go into the midst of the darkness and preach the gospel. Was it a little intimidating? Maybe. It's a big group, but that's okay because they need Jesus Christ. Because the same grace that saved me, the same grace that saved Zion could have saved those eight people if they wanted it. And so it's now our job to therefore go and preach to them, and be the light of Jesus Christ to them. Next, next slide here. It goes more in depth in Ephesians. It says this. It says, remember that at that time you were once separate from Christ. Remember, talking about how the world is separate from God. Think about it. At one point, we as well were separate from the Lord. At one point, we did not have joy. At one point, we were depressed. At one point, we hated God. At one point, we cursed out other Christians, but guess what? The love of Jesus Christ brought us to our knees and saved us from all of that. But again, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have all that comes with Jesus. You don't have all that love. You don't have the peace. You don't have the joy. You have to make a decision. Am I going to be all in for the Lord, or am I going to still try and have something in common with the world? You can't have it both ways. You're either in righteousness with God, you're in the world doing what the world does. And for those who are in the world, they're separate from Christ. Christ is love. Christ is peace. Christ sets you free from depression. Christ sets you free from suicide. Christ gets rid of the anger that makes you want to start fights. And if you don't have Christ, you're separate from that and you don't have that inside of you. But when you come to Jesus Christ, he gets rid of all those things. He makes you new. He makes you clean. It says you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of, of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. 
See, this is the state right now that everyone who does not have Jesus is in. If you're a believer, if you love Jesus, I want you to understand this. Going back into your school, they are just lost. They don't have God. It says they are without hope and without God in the world. In the world. Tune, you know, don't, I was going to say watch some of these reality TV shows. Don't do that. But just from what I see, just from the things that are trending on Facebook and these little different stuff that pop up, right, and these different news articles, right, the world, the system of the world, guess what it is all about? This person's cheating on this other guy, on this other girl. This person is now in drug rehab again for the third time, fifth time, whatever, right? This is like the world. This is the, the system of the world. This is the culture that we live in. Oh, so-and-so found drunk, passed out after, after a show, after a concert. People who are without Jesus Christ are without hope, without God, and they're in the world. Does anybody care in this place? If you're a Christian, you need to understand that. You need to get that. You're going into a building where there are hundreds, thousands of people, teenagers, who are without hope. They're without God, and they're in the world, lost in the drama, in the pain, in the hurt, in all of the stuff that's happening, and they need somebody to tell them and rescue them out of that and bring them into the family of God. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Next slide. Is that what it says, the blood of Jesus? The blood of Christ. Go back to the other slide. It says, we were brought near. Guess what? That gangbanger in your school, that, that, that popular kid, you know what? They probably have insecurity issues and go home crying themselves to sleep at night because they think nobody loves them, okay? They are without hope. They're without God. They're in the world. But Jesus Christ can bring them near and can save them. And God is looking for you to go, for you to be the light. For you to be the example. But guess what? You can't be the example to somebody that you're a part of. You can't be, you can't, you can't preach to somebody something that you're not living out yourself. So first and foremost, if you're not saved, you need to get saved. You need to stop acting like the world. You need to stop being a part of the world and have Jesus Christ bring you into his family. And then once you're a disciple of Jesus, once you're a follower of God, once you're born again, now it's your job to preach to them. Go back to them and tell them the good news of Jesus Christ, how God can save them. No, it's not roses and daisies. Everybody's not happy. They might be smiling, but it's fake. It's plastic. It's not real. They need Jesus, and they don't need you to be so self-consumed with your own life, your own comforts, your own things that you're thinking about. They need somebody who cares about them, who's willing to reach into the dirt, into the darkness, and pull them out. That's what we, as, as Jesus Christ's disciples, that's what we're called to do. Because God wants to bring them near. He wants to bring the gang member at your school, the person who's, who's starting the fights, the person who's always disrespectful, the person that's always talking back to the teacher. He wants that girl that's always gossiping. He wants to bring her near because she's without hope and without God right now. That's how we have to see it. As Christians, that's how we have to see it. They might be evil, they might be in sin, but they're without hope and they have no clue who God is and they need to know that. Next slide. There's one more passage in Ephesians that I believe is just, again, powerful and just brings us all home. It says here, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but now fellow citizens with God's people and are also members of his household. 
you could either be a part of the world, you could either be a part of all those different cliques that you think are so meaningful. What does being a part of a clique even do for you? What does being a part of those friends that don't even care about you, what, what does that do for you? Trying to perform for them, trying to act like them. For what? For what? Are you going to be in the world, in the darkness, acting like them, thinking like them, doing things like them? Or are you going to be a part of God's family? Are you going to be an outsider? Are you going to be a part of God's household and God's people? And once you are, and once you've made that decision to follow God and be a part of his family, now are you willing to then go and reach the people who aren't? Are you willing to then go and reach out to that person who once bullied you? That person who once just, just, just slapped you in the face and talked smack about you. Yeah, God wants you to evangelize to that person now. Because they're in the world and now you're out of the world. So now you need to go preach them and bring them into where you're at. Into the presence of God. We're called to therefore go and preach to our friends and to our people in our schools. I believe if we did that in this place, we would see so much transformation. In Schurz, in Taft. And, and, and Von Steuben and all these different high schools and schools that are, that are represented here, if we bring the gospel to the darkness, to the places where they don't know Jesus. Again, last week, y'all heard it. I said we need to bring the, the gospel and the light of Christ into our homes. Guess what that will do to our families? Drunkenness will stop. Drunk dads coming home at night will stop if the gospel is accepted. But we have to go and preach. As a matter of fact, there's a verse, if you could look that up for me. Um, I believe it's in Romans. It says, how will they know unless we, unless we preach? Joby, if you can help them find that. It's in Romans. It says, how will they know unless we go out and preach to them? If we can all stand right now. The altar call is going to be very, very simple tonight. I believe as the school year is approaching and we're all going to be going back into this, this whole thing. Five days a week, classes, clubs. Soccer practice, volleyball practice, all of that stuff going on, right? One thing really matters, and that's that you represent Christ, and that you don't act like them, and you don't look like them, because they don't need another person who's fake. They don't need another person who's broken and is going to break them. They need Jesus. They need someone who has the light. They need someone who has the answer. Romans 10, verses 14 through 18. Stephanie, if you can come up. Verse 14, it says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? No, that's okay. Leave it on that slide. Here's the altar call. If I can have my altar call uh, workers come up. There's going to be two. Very simple. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, and you don't really know what I'm talking about. You're like, this, this world and the darkness and all this different stuff. Well, you know what? This, this God person that you're talking about, I think he's the right way to go. If you're saying to yourself, I want Jesus, and I want to stop living in sin, and I want to stop doing, the way, doing things the way everybody else is doing them, these altar call workers are here for you. They'll pray for you. If you want just, uh, just to be, you know, just, yeah, if, if you just want them to pray for you, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, feel free to go up to them. And for everybody else, here's what I want to do. If you want to be set apart, if you want to be set apart this semester, and you want to be an outsider, 
and you want to be rejected, and you want to be hated for Jesus, if you want to be set apart for the gospel and for Jesus Christ, I want you to come up to these altars as a declaration that, you know what, going into this semester, I'm not going to be like everybody else. I'm not going to be of this world. I'm going to be different. I'm going to be different. I'm going to be different. When people are acting crazy, when people are swearing, when people are cursing, starting stuff, starting drama, making fun of this, this girl that, that's so broken, that's sleeping with everybody, you know, when all that stuff is happening, I'm not going to be a part of it. I'm going to be the one bringing the light and hope of Jesus Christ. If that's you and you want to be set apart this semester from everybody else, from all the drama, from everything that's going on, if that's you, I want you to come up to these altars. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're not going back to high school. Maybe you're a little bit older and you're going to go to college. It doesn't matter. Wherever we're, whatever we're doing, we're always, we're either in the light or we're, you know, in the darkness. Either or. So if you want to represent Christ, let me just make it very simple. If you want to represent Christ and be set apart in him, wherever you go, to your friends, to your family, to your neighborhood, if you want to be set apart, these altars are open for you. Thank you, Jesus. If I can have the leaders come up and begin to pray for them. You're the God of this city.